0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another Athletics Baseball podcast with your host, Taylor. Today I'm going to talk a little bit about the cuts that have been recently made on the squad going forward. Not the final round of cuts at all, but a couple more cuts were made recently. And I'm also going to talk about a couple of games that have happened over the last couple of days. And I'm going to talk just a little bit about the WBC, the World Baseball Classic, But first, why don't I break out a new Who Am I? I played 16 seasons in the major leagues, seven of them with the A's. I was a shortstop, right-handed, one-time MVP with the A's, six-time MVP in my career. I played six consecutive 162-game seasons. My best season as an A, the All-Star season, I batted over 300 with an over 500 slugging and 34 home runs. Who am I? I'll let you know in just a second. First, I just want to remind everyone to Follow or subscribe to the podcast on whatever provider that you listen to it on. Introduce your friends and family to the podcast. Follow the podcast on social media, Instagram at athletics underscore baseball underscore podcast, Twitter at athletics underscore pod, and reach us at this podcast at athleticsbaseballpodcast at gmail.com. Finally, consider reaching out to the mayor of Oakland, Mayor Tao, whether it's an email at office of the mayor at oaklandca.gov, or maybe on her Twitter account. Well, who am I? I am Miguel Tejada. That's right, of Moneyball 2002 season A's fame. If you guessed Miguel Tejada, then you were correct. Now, let's start off the real episode today with a little bit of talk about the World Baseball Classic. Somehow, it has become a contentious topic on social media and and just out there in general. And, and it's a little bit weird that that would be the case. There's two camps, I guess. One, it doesn't matter and these players are risking injury and they shouldn't be doing it. And two, this is the most important thing ever in baseball, and if you don't get that, then you just don't know anything and you don't know what's going on. It is possible for neither of these to be the case. <laughs> as, as most things, the truth lies probably somewhere in the middle. So, my opinion... You're probably sick, if you've heard of this topic at all, you're probably sick of hearing of it by now, especially now that the WBC is over, but my take is that it's a really cool tournament, and the games that I did watch were a ton of fun, and I think that trying to say that these players shouldn't be doing it is kind of a little ridiculous because look at all the injuries that we've already had in spring training. Are you going to say that these guys can't get can't get ready for the regular season by playing scrimmage baseball games in order to get themselves ready, what people have been doing forever. No, this is, that's just how it is. And some guys throw their back out with a sneeze or get a hernia coughing or trip on their way into the dugout during practice and, like, twist their ankle or something. And players also, obviously, as they have already... Been happening that players get injured during spring training games. And during the off season, like Fernando Tatis breaking his wrist while riding a motorcycle, what are you going to do? Put all these players in a bubble? Other than when you trot them out to play 162 games and then put them right back in the bubble? They've got families, they've got stuff to do, they want to have fun, and you know, they're a big part of the reason I would guess that most of them are doing it is because they're good at it and it is a great living doing what hopefully you enjoy. And are you gonna tell that tell someone that what they're working for and what they wanna do? They can't they can't spend their money how they want, they can't spend their off season how they want. It's just kinda of ridiculous. So every player that was there wanted to be there. No one was forced to do it. A lot of people turned it down because they were focused on different things. Guys with a contract year coming up, or rehabbing from injury, or they had a slump last year and they're trying to break it, and maybe they felt they needed a different environment than what a big stakes tournament would provide. All that said, what I really want to talk about was the WBC was fun. I mostly, through the whole thing, caught highlights and certain small segments of games where I would turn it on towards the ends, or just see, keep keep myself updated on scores, but once it reached the end there, the semifinals and, and the finals, really intense. I mean, I watched most of the U.S.-Cuba game, all of the Japan-Mexico game, and all of the U.S.-Japan game, aside from all the snippets that I saw through the tournament, and the U.S.-Cuba game was a blowout, but the Japan-Mexico game was. You could not script baseball to be more thrilling and intense and nerve-wracking than that. And you could not script a more perfect, maybe, maybe not perfect for U.S. fans or the U.S. team... But the final game, U.S. versus Japan, you could not script a more perfect ending. The U.S. fighting its way back, only down by one run, the global superstar, Otani, facing off against the top of the U.S. juggernaut lineup with the final out against his teammate, the U.S. superstar, Mike Trout, and win or lose, it's high drama. It couldn't have been... If if someone made a movie where this happened, then people would say that it was too idealistic, too cheesy, too impossible, too storybook-ending. And, well, one simple fact is, if anything can happen, possibly, then it's going to happen in baseball. There's 162 regular games per season, there's spring training games, and there's the WBC. There have been so many crazy things that have happened in baseball, and that's one of the many appeals of the sport to a lot of people, I think. It's it's a big appeal to me. I, one weird, fun thing that I enjoy in a baseball game, is the bottom of the second, two runners on base, two outs, two and two count the game is tied 2 to 2 just a a totally random number scheme that you would say oh yeah come on how how often is that going to happen and yet maybe once every couple of weeks i find myself turning to look at my wife and i say two on two outs second inning counts 2 and 2 and she knows about that by now and she just looks at me, but <laughs> it's, uh, it's those fun little strange idiosyncrasies that happen in baseball. Uh, obviously it's not the only thing I like about baseball, but that's something unique that I enjoy, and something that I think everybody enjoys is those intense final moments, those Mike Trout against Otani to win the tournament moments that those almost mike trout against otani to save the world moments who's saving the world depends on who which team you're rooting for like with every sport right and it just was a lot of fun it was a good tournament so if you didn't watch any of it you might want to check out some highlights it was it was pretty good and you might want to consider watching the next one in 2026 I will probably watch more of that one than I did of this one because up until now I had never really paid much attention to the WBC, and I actually started to get a little bit into it this year. Let's talk now about the most recent round of cuts that the A's have made. They went, I think, two weeks through spring training before making their first round of cuts. That was ten players, I think. They went another week and then cut 10, maybe 11 players, and I believe this is the third round of cuts. It was five players, and that brings the number down in the Major League Spring Training camp to 36 players, and it still has to get down to about 26. Well, not about 26, it is 26, but realistically, There's going to be several players that go up and down through the year to facilitate other people getting playing time and still sort of figuring out what's going to happen with our roster in the future. This team is going to be a much, much better team than the team last season was because a lot of the young guys have sort of got their feet under them a little bit more at this point. And on top of that, the A's brought in several big league veterans to sort of provide stability to the squad, as well as leadership, I'm sure. The players that have been cut were lefty pitcher Jake Fishman and righty pitcher Rico Garcia, and I believe Rico Garcia pitched fairly well through spring training, but the pitching battles for who's going who's gonna to make the cut are very intense right now on the team. I'm sure that he raised a couple eyebrows with his performance through spring training. Eight games, he pitched total of 8.1 innings for a total ERA of 2.16. So, pretty good, pretty good job there. And he's probably earned himself a second look later on in the season, maybe when the A's need a little bit of depth in pitching, maybe when someone needs a little rest, or if there are some injuries... He might be on that short list of guys potentially getting that call. And then Tyler Soderstrom, Zach Geloff, and Denzel Clark also all got the cut. And they're not like cut, cut. They're All five of them are assigned to the minor league spring training. And these these three are going to be a part of the A's future at some point, I think that we can say it at this point. And them getting the switch over to the minor league side I think was inevitable because Denzel Clark is only twenty two and he has only played fifty one games at the high A level in his first full spring train or his first full season in the minors in twenty twenty two. So he's been having a really good spring training, batting four sixty two on base and a 6.92 slugging in 13 at-bats, small sample size, but he's been doing great, and he still is is obviously very young. He was a 2021 draft pick, so he's got to work his way through the minor league squads. He's probably, with his great performance, moved himself to starting off in double A instead of high A, and that is something that hopefully he can look at the situation and be happy about that, and just know that his hard work did help to move him through the minor league system probably a little bit quicker and I would expect him to spend at least half a season at double a if he's doing well there maybe sixty sixty games in halfway through whatever then then maybe they would pop him up to triple a but you know you gotta go through. Typically, all the minor league levels work with all the different coaches, maybe take something away from one particular coach helping with one particular thing that maybe advances you a little bit in your game. Tyler Soderstrom, similar thing. He's only 21, first round draft pick in 2020, and he has been so impressive that he started off instead of, typically you would start off in rookie ball. But he was drafted in 2020 and there was no minor league games, no minor league uh, season at all. So typically that half season that he got drafted, the rest of the season he would have spent it in rookie ball playing other fresh draftees who just need to sort of season up a little bit together and maybe physically mature a little bit more. It's often the case for guys who are drafted out of high school like Tyler Soderstrom was. And after just that that one half season in A is where he started off, not rookie, he impressed so much. 2022, he worked his way all through the rest of the minor league system. He played 89 games in high A, 36 games in double A, and nine games in triple A, playing well at each level. Now, he hasn't had... All that much experience in A AA and AAA, and I'm sure they want him to develop a little bit more with some A time, and I'm sure about that because that's actually what Mark Kotze said, that he was in the running for making the opening day roster, but that he thinks it's more important for him to continue his development at this point, point. and I would agree with that. That's sort of why I had my old opinion where, if you've been listening for a while, you may remember me saying this, where I said I hope he does not get the call-up this season. Nothing against him, obviously. I'm hoping for the best for Soderstrom and all of these guys. But I'm also hoping for the best for the A's, and I think that the best thing for the A's would be for him to be as developed as he could be physically and mentally, and totally ready for the big leagues before making that jump, and then we get an extra year of service time from him as well, which is important for the A's when typically the players on your team are on the clock, as in you might have them for five years and then get ready to say goodbye, so... You want those five years, you want all of them to be productive. Especially when you're looking at a guy and saying, I really hope this guy's a superstar. Well, it would kind of suck if his first, if, if a guy's first two years were not very good, and then you only had a superstar for two to three years. Whereas maybe if someone gets a little bit of extra development in AAA maybe they are more ready to go when they do get that call. Similar sort of situation for Zach Geloff. He is 23, second-round pick in 2021. He's only had two years in the minors. The first year, he went one game at the rookie level, 32 games at single-A, and then, for some reason, three games at triple-A. I don't know what happened to high-A or double-A, and why you would do that three games in AAA, but he did very well in those three games. And then last season, he played 87 games in AA, nine games in AAA, and was pretty good in AA, and hit a a lot of home runs in his nine games in AAA, but it's a small sample size, so we can't really look at, at that with any real meaning. So, at this point for him, you basically, same thing as Soderstrom, you know, he needs some time in A to develop a little bit there and make sure that he's ready when he does get that call. So, uh, like I said, I think all three of those guys are going to be a factor in the A's squads in the future, but they're all really young. Each one of those three guys, that's Denzel Clark, Tyler Soderstrom, and Zach Geloff, each one of them has only had two seasons in the minor leagues. And for each one of them, the first season that they had was not a full season. Gelof only had 36 games his first minor league season. Soderstrom, 57. And Denzel Clark, only seven games his first minor league season. So I know you guys are, are... Hungry for some wins and really want to see a a great A squad out there. And I'm exactly the same, I promise. But these guys need probably another year, maybe at least a year in some cases, before they're ready. They had a good spring training. Now let them prove it in some higher level minor league games. Seeing these guys go down should not be alarming for any of you. They'll be back. And in the meantime, we've still got a bunch of guys to sort through to figure out who's actually going to make the cut, and we're still playing all sorts of guys right now as these spring training games go on. There was no game on Monday, but the game on Tuesday was a really good one. So Tuesday we won 6-5 to five against the Angels in a comeback, and Wednesdays we lost 4-2 to two against the Cubs, and we fought the whole way. Very good games, and we played a ton of different people on the lineup for each game. Let's check out the Angels game first, since it happened first. And pitching-wise, Adam Aller started the day off, had himself a not-great day. It happens. I think it was his first bad day off the mound here. Two innings pitched, four earned runs, three walks, six hits. One of those hits was a home run. Only one strikeout, so for whatever reason, he was not dealing on Tuesday. Luckily for the A's for winning that game, pretty much everyone else was was doing pretty good that day, pitching-wise, and Austin Briggs threw a scoreless inning, Zach Jackson threw an inning where he let up a solo home run, that just happens, no big deal. Danny Jimenez threw a scoreless inning. JT Ginn threw three scoreless innings, striking out one and letting in one hit. That's a nice line. And then he actually got the win, because the A's took the lead during his tenure. Rico Garcia got a save, one scoreless inning with two hits and one strikeout. So overall, other than Adam Aller struggling to start the game off, the pitching was, was good all the way through, and everybody's allowed a bad day off the mound now and then. Even Jacob deGrom, Max Scherzer, it happens. The eights put up some good scoring that game, helping out these pitchers with their good performances. Eight hits, five walks. Brian Noda's been struggling a little bit at the plate lately, but I'm sure that he's going to figure it out. He is a really good hitter, and his patience at the plate is next level. And I think, honestly, I hope you're listening, Ryan Noda. (laughs) Although I'm sure your actual trainers have better advice than I have to give, but I think that what might be hurting him right now is that he is swinging big, he he really wants some hits, and he really wants some big hits, I think, and I think that it is a mental thing, and that it's hurting his approach at the plate and causing him to get behind in the count early on, and that just gives the pitcher too much room to do what they can do and not give you anything good to hit, right? That's, I mean, you get no one 2 count and then the pitcher can kind of just do what they please, right? So, to me, the key to opening up some more hits for Ryan Noda and maybe some some bigger hits, right, is for him to take a more patient approach at the plate from the beginning of these at-bats and get the pitcher behind in the count so that the pitcher then has to give you a real strike, something that you can actually hit. I, I don't know. I mean... I'm sure there's more going into these things than that, but that's just something I've noticed that I think he's been very aggressive in the beginning of these at-bats, and it it has caused him to get behind in the count a few times. But I think that once he figures this stuff out, once he he figures out what's going on and corrects it, that he is going to be great for us at the plate through this season. With those eight hits, a lot of people had good days at the plate on Tuesday. Tony Kemp with one hit, Tyler Wade two for two, Loriano two for three, McCann with one, and Ruiz two for two. And then Aguilar, Jace Peterson, on-base Jace, uh, Kevin Smith, and Pablo Reyes all got a walk, Peterson got two, for all in all a very productive day at the plate. And then Tony Kemp stole a base on Tuesday. Ruiz got caught trying to steal. So did Kevin Smith. And pretty sure I remember Ruiz's attempt there on Tuesday, and he just got thrown out. I mean, I think his jump was fine. The catcher just threw a perfect throw. And what are you going to do? He had a cannon. I'll say that much. And then as far as the Wednesday game against the Cubs, which the A's lost four to two, Caprelian started that game off. He had a fine day he i would I would call it a good day, even though he took the official loss, putting him at one one and one one win one loss in spring training. He went five innings, gave up two earned runs. Four walks, four hits. One of those hits was a home run. He had four strikeouts as well. And one of those earned runs was a solo home run from Cody Bellinger. And his other earned run, Caprellian's, was starting off the sixth inning. He put a guy on the base path. They yanked him from the game. Sam Mull came out and let up a home run, two-run homer. So the, the one... One of those two runs was credited to Caprellian because he was the one who put that guy on the bases. Sam Mole got one inning, credited one earned run, one hit, which was that home run, no walks and two strikeouts. Pretty good day. I mean, I know he let up the home run with a guy on base, two-run homer, but you gotta give these guys some home runs occasionally that happen because they just, they're gonna happen. And he got through that inning without anything else happening. No one else had a hit, no walks, so that's that's fine. Danny Jimenez, a clean inning, or he, he walked one guy, but no hits and no runs. Steckenrider came out, one walk, one hit. That one hit was a solo home run, and Chad Smith closed the game up, with one walk, no hits, no runs. Chad Smith having a very nice spring training. Steckenrider getting caught a couple times with these these solo home runs, uh, getting touched up a little bit, but I'm still looking for maybe some good things from him out of this season. I feel like even if he does start off in the minor league system, he will be one of these players that we're looking at for a call-up, whether it's for injury purposes or give some guys some rest. Offensively, we had a lot of production. We just did not convert it into runs. Eight hits on the day, three walks. Kemp one for four. Aguilar, great day for him, three for three. And one of those three was a double. And one of those three was a home run, so just a triple shy away from the cycle. Granted, a triple is the hardest to hit, and uh, probably the hardest for Aguilar to hit. If you haven't seen him in person, he is a giant of a man. And I'm not saying he is slow, necessarily, but he is a first baseman and a big guy, and I would think that he would not be the person I'd expect to be hitting triples a lot. Maybe I would see Nick Allen and he's already done that this spring training. Ruiz, Pache maybe. Some of the guys that are maybe known for being a little bit speedier. And so he went 3 for 3. Perfect day for him. And then they uh, pulled him out of the game, let him get some rest out of all that out of, after all that running he did. Langoliers, he had a hit, one for three. Pablo Reyes, one for two for him. And Asturi Ruiz, two for two again. So that's two different, two games in a row now. He's two for two. And that's really going to make his spring training numbers look much more impressive. Now he is batting three twenty-five with a four oh four on base and a four seventy-five slugging with one home run, three doubles, and six stolen bases. Only four strikeouts in spring training as well. So there was a point at which he was struggling early on in spring training. He went hitless in his first four appearances. A total of six at-bats. A total of eight plate appearances. And that's not exactly what you want when you are trying to make your way onto the big league squad and in competition with other people for the few slots available. However, after that point, he did quickly start to turn it around, and he has had a very impressive spring training these last couple of weeks here. Who's going to end up making the cut? It's really hard to say at this point. It's going to be a tough competition for... Every single available slot. Pache, one walk on his only plate appearance of the day. Jace Peterson, same thing, one walk, one plate appearance. And Connor Capel, one walk in two plate appearances. Uh, Langolier's one hit was also a double, I should mention that. So, a lot of offense. It was a game where the A's really grinded it out and had some good prospects for the comeback win there towards the end of the game, and it just didn't happen. It just didn't get put together in the right way. Hits with guys on bases and and things like that. But, you know, these two games and all the games over the weekend as well, uh, all these games lately, the A's have been fighting. They've been fighting really hard, showing a lot of grit and toughness when... I know it's spring training, but the pressure is on for a lot of these guys where they don't know if they're going to be on a major league squad this year. And some of them might not know if they're going to make a major league squad ever. There's still that question for, for some guys. And there's there's a lot of fight in this team that I have seen in these games this last like week or so. A lot of really great performances. And... Whether it makes us World Series winners or not this year, it's definitely going to make us a very fun team to watch, I think. Win or lose. Well, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Hope you all have a great rest of your week and a great weekend. I will talk to you guys on Monday. See you next time.